Hello, and welcome back to 365 Days with MXM Tune. I'm Maya, a singer, songwriter, video maker, Oakland native, and self-proclaimed playlist-making addict. I'm also a big fan of history. I love untold stories, gross facts, hidden secrets, and anything weird, dark, and funky from the past. Each day, I'm going to share a few of my favorite deep cuts with you. So let's take a look at today's stories. It's 365 with MXM Tune. New facts every day, so don't leave too soon. I'm gonna teach you stuff, no it won't be tough. Gonna go a year till you've had enough. It's 365. These days, everyone streams music. Real ones still do vinyl, but it's not as easy to hook up a record player to your car stereo or lug one onto the subway. Music has gotten more and more portable over the years, which is a real gift for those of us who like listening to so many different artists for hours and hours on end. But it wasn't always so easy to get your music on the go. In fact, you used to not even be able to listen to music in your own house. That all changed on September 26, 1887, when Emil Berliner patented the gramophone. Let's back up. To be clear, Berliner's gramophone wasn't the first device invented to play music for laypersons. In 1877, Thomas Edison, you know, that guy, invented the first phonograph, a cylindrical machine with two needles, one for recording and one for playback. You would record sound by yell singing into the phonograph. The sound vibrations would make grooves on the Edisonian wax cylinder so that you could play them back after. Fun fact, the first words Edison said into the phonograph were, Mary had a little lamb. Edison's phonograph was a big hit, but it was more of a talking machine than a music-related one, and the quality of the sound it produced was not that great. Alexander Graham Bell improved upon it in 1886, inventing the graphophone. The graphophone used wax cylinders to record and playback sound, and the sound quality improved upon Edison's phonograph, but Bell's graphophone had one big flaw— Each cylinder had to be recorded separately, which made it impossible to use the graphophone to mass-produce anything it recorded. Just imagine trying to record thousands of records individually. Enter Emil Berliner. Berliner was a German immigrant who moved to Washington, D.C. in 1870, working as an accountant in a family friend's shop to make ends meet. His real passion, though, was making new inventions. Berliner discovered that instead of using cylinders— he could record sound using flat records made of glass. When recording, a needle would read the sound vibrations and etch the sound as a small groove into the disc. You could then play the sound back by putting the disc under the gramophone's arm, where another needle would read and transmit the vibrations etched via the grooves and play them through the speaker. These recordings could be easily mass-produced. All you have to do is make a master record, or a master mold, and then you use it to reproduce the grooves. This was world-changing. Berliner patented his gramophone in 1887, and suddenly sound discs, or records, were all the rage. He founded his own company, the Gramophone Company, and invited popular musicians to record their music on the discs, which he would then mass-produce. Two of the first artists who made their records using the gramophone were Enrico Caruso, an Italian operatic tenor, and Dame Nellie Melba, one of the most popular singers of the Victorian era. Berliner started mass-producing hundreds of records a year, and the gramophone exploded in popularity. It also helped revolutionize the music industry. 
people were now able to listen to artists and music that might not have been accessible to them live, which prior to the gramophone was pretty much the only way they'd be accessible. Musicians who recorded sound discs started making money, like a lot of money. Certain genres of music, like jazz, became extremely popular across the country, and later, around the world, thanks to the gramophone, since people were able to listen to jazz records even if they couldn't go to New Orleans, the city where it originated. Berliner merged his company with another to form the Victor Talking Machine Company, which you might know better as RCA, and they continued to popularize his invention. In 1906, they released a more home-friendly gramophone design, dubbed the Victrola. The gramophone's design and recording process continued to evolve over the years. The original discs were made of glass, for instance, but later people started using vinyl. But the general concept and the process of recording sound on discs stayed the same. By the mid-20th century, the gramophone was more commonly known as a record player, and everybody had one. Records continued to be the main source of mass-produced music for most of the 20th century. In the 1980s, cassette tapes started becoming popular. They took up less space in a home, were less easily damaged, and made music portable via boomboxes and tape players. At the same time, music started going digital, and people were able to produce smaller discs you could actually record music on. These were called compact discs, or CDs. CDs and CD players were extremely popular in the 1990s and the early 2000s, but those too were overtaken by new technologies like iPods and phones that stream music. At the same time, records didn't ever really disappear, and owning and shopping for records is still pretty cool. In the last decade, vinyl sales have soared 490%, even overtaking CDs. And, I mean, I release my own music on vinyl now too. The music playback is way better and more classic than a tape or disc. Even in my own experience, I go record shopping with my friends pretty often. There's a store in San Francisco that's pretty historic and famous. It's Amoeba Records, and I love just sitting in there and like perusing all the different records that they have and vinyls. And I don't really have a massive vinyl collection, to be honest with you. I think I mostly only own my own projects, but there's something about being able to own a really beautiful version of a record. And I think vinyls are a super cool format too because so much goes into the customization of it. It's, it's really neat. And now for a fun music fact of the day. On September 26, 1986, Run DMC became the first rap group to hit the Billboard Top 10 with their third album, Raising Hell. The album dropped the May before and was a huge hit, thanks in part to their rock mashup single, Walk This Way, with Aerosmith's Steven Tyler. Raising Hell eventually peaked at number three on the Billboard 200, and some consider it to be one of the greatest albums of all time. It was even inducted into the National Recording Registry at the Library of Congress in 2018 due to being culturally, historically, and artistically significant. And for our final segment of the day, it's time that I dive into my own photo libraries to see what I was up to on a September 26th in my life. Oh my god, okay, I actually did have something that was really exciting for me on September 26, 2019. I went and visited one of the billboards that I was on. It was the first time that I ever got to see my face actually physically face-to-face on, you know, a giant piece of paper, essentially. I had been placed on a billboard before for Spotify. I think it was when Dream of You came out and the masquerade was like not out yet, but we were working on it. Um, But this one was in LA and I was there to play a show 
I was doing some some promo things for press and whatnot, but it was the first time that I got to like take an Uber over and drive. And I remember being in the car with my manager and we pulled up to the billboard and the guy driving the car went, that's you? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and it was the first time that I ever got to step out and take a photo with, I guess, myself. Um, but yeah, that was a really cool moment because I think when something that crazy happens to you, it's hard to process that it can actually be real unless you're actually standing there and taking it in with your own eyes. So that was really cool. I think that was one of the first moments that I looked at what I was doing and felt like I was genuinely in the world that I, you know, know that I am in sometimes, but getting to see your face on a billboard is one of the strangest out-of-body experiences you can ever have. And that wraps up today's episode of 365 Days with MXM Tune. Thank you all so much for listening. Don't forget you can follow on all social medias at 365 Days MXM Tune to keep up with what's going on with the podcast. I'll talk to you tomorrow. It's 365 with MXM Tune. New facts every day, so don't leave too soon. I'm gonna teach you stuff no it won't be tough gonna go a year till you've had enough it's 365 thanks for listening to today's episode of 365 days with mxm tune make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and follow along with us on social media at 365 days mxm tune on all platforms